0: I want you to look with me, if you would, if you in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. I want you to see that, um, in a sense, Paul is trying to, to confirm to these people what he is trying to teach. Actually, he's doing the same to us. If you recall, in verse 1 of chapter 6, they asked the question, or basically, I guess he assumed that they were going to ask this question, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might we continue in sin that grace might increase? He says, "May it never be." That statement is a strong rebuttal. No, impossible. How can you even think such a thing? Well, if you read along as we get into the fifteenth verse of this same chapter. He says in verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? And again, he has to remind the people, may it never be. In other words, there's no way that that should happen. What Paul is teaching us in this place in scripture is really, in essence, very simple to read, but very difficult to live out, which is a which is true of a lot of Scripture. A lot of, of what we understand, we can, we can g- grasp it. it. It's okay, we hear it, we understand it, but to walk out of here and then go into our lives where we are out there in the real world, sometimes it's hard to incorporate that in our lives. Listen to what, I'll show you a little, little bit of it. Look at the seventh chapter of Romans, same place, just across the page probably. Look at what Paul says concerning himself in verse 15 of chapter 7. He says, For that which I am doing, I don't understand. I am not practicing what I would like to do. I am doing the very thing I hate. Look, he says in verse 18, Nothing, I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. He says, The wishing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. He says in verse 19, for the good that I wish, I do not do. I practice the very evil that I do not wish. And so if you think you are in a, a situation in your life where it's difficult, that you have, you have trouble walking your faith, I want you to know you're in good company. Paul himself had the same problem. And so as he's teaching us here, he's teaching us one of the greatest lessons in all of Scripture. And and basically we're going to go over part of what we learned before, but we're going to take a look at a very different twist on it, so that it really kind of brings itself together, in my opinion. Let Let me just start by saying this. Paul wrote once before in Galatians, the second chapter, the 20th verse. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Let me stop there for just a moment. What we are going to learn today is, if you remember, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden. We were basically there. Basically, we were a part of that moment. That was, we took it upon ourselves, and so we became sin as well, just as they did. On the other hand, what we are going to learn today is we, those of us who have trusted in Christ, we were there with him on the cross. We were there to die, to be crucified, and to raise again from the dead. And so we need to understand what the Bible is teaching us so that we can incorporate these things into our lives when we go through difficulties. So... Again, back to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. Symbolically, he is saying, I was there. But he says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, he says. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. Let me stop there for a minute. Faith in the Son of God. That is basically what he is trying to teach us. What we are experiencing now, you and I have come, if you've come to trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior. That was a moment of faith. We believe by faith that Jesus Christ comes into our, our hearts. That is by faith. What some of us don't do is we don't incorporate our life thereafter living by faith. Rather, we try to live by works. We try to live by doing good, serving in the church, giving in the church, all those things that you might do to kind of win favor with God because of who you are in Christ. And we need to understand that we are to also live by faith after we receive Christ just as we did when we receive him. So what Paul says, let me read it again. Maybe it'll just resonate a little bit deeper into your soul. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, he says. It is no longer I who live. Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and who gave himself up for me. Well, quite similarly, Paul is saying the same thing here in Romans chapter six. He says in the second verse, the last half of the second verse, how can we who died to sin, in other words, how can we who have been crucified with Christ still live in the sin? He says it shouldn't be a part of our lives. Now, he recognizes fully, as he's going to teach us in the seventh chapter, that we're going to go through these valleys. We're going to go through the times where we fall short of what we want to be. He understands that clearly. But what he wants you and me to know for certain is that we have been crucified. And that's what today's lesson is about. It is, this is really an amazing place in the Word of God. I want to read it to you right now. Would you please read with me from verse 3 to verse 13 and try to take in the words. He says in verse 3, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Jesus Christ have been baptized into his death? Therefore, We have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. He goes on to say in the fifth verse, For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death is no longer master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, don't go Don't, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts, and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God." I'm telling you folks, this is a this is a place that if we can grasp, if we can understand, it, it it's 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 life changing. Now I, I'm not foolish enough and neither is Paul to try to say to you, Oh, Betty, you're here. I didn't even see you. Did I, I just mentioned you a little while ago. Were you still here? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't see you there. I love you so much. You. That was a beautiful, beautiful ceremony yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a day of, uh, of, of just pure rejoicing yet mourning. Uh, Betty Palmer is, is here, and her daughter, her daughter uh, Susie just passed away. And we, we had the privilege of doing the service yesterday. And I would assume that you were home relaxing. No, nope, not like you. Just not like you. It's everything of you I know. God, I love you so much. I love you so much hmm that's interesting should look around a little bit more shouldn't I you know um, there's certain things that I should and should not do Uh, yesterday um, when when we were doing the the service uh, Betty's granddaughter Susie's daughter Kara I was struggling with her name, which I do. I struggle with names. It's just a part of who I get. I get everything. Do you ever get that way? Everything gets kind of mixed up, and it does. does it does with me sometimes? If you ask me quick enough, my name, I might panic. It's, so I'm I'm on I'm on the side, and I'm and I want to make sure I have everyone's name down, and and I, I'm saying Kara 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 and and Kara. Um, uh, Karen uh, Thompson is right alongside me. She says, it's Kara. Kara like Sarah. Kara like Sarah. You're going to introduce Sarah. So it's Kara like Sarah. I said, I got it. So I got up, and what did I do? What's the first thing I said? I said, Kara, I know your daughter. And she, and someone in the audience yelled, it's Kara! <laughs> I'm it kind of, I'm sorry. And so uh, I shouldn't do MCing. It's not part of what I am. But uh, all, other than that, it was really quite a beautiful, 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 uh, morning, afternoon. Thank you for letting me be a part. I wouldn't have been anywhere else. Thank you. (laughs) So I was about to pray, wasn't I? What I was about to do, I guess, was uh, talk about that this whole idea, this place in Scripture, what we just read, is life-changing. It's, it's easy to read. It's not going to be that easy to appropriate in your life. It'll take practice. That's why Paul said, practice these things. Make these things a part of your life so that you understand and get victory over those things that might be defeating you. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, the only way that, that, that Scripture really speaks clearly of how to deal with sin and temptation is what Joseph did with Potiphar's wife. What did he do? He ran. He didn't try to reason with her. He didn't try to make her, Oh, I'm not tempted. Are you kidding? She. I bet you she was not. She didn't look like me. I'll bet you that much. <laughs> I bet she was an awfully pretty woman. And here she is trying to, to tempt him. And, and the only thing that he knew to do so as not to fall to that temptation was to run and for you and for me there are certain things if you you need to I, I i do this often there's certain things in our lives that we need to chart out what can we do and what can we not do there's certain things that just you just need to be careful how you can handle it what you do when you're around it um it's why in my life i have i have warnings i have flat warnings i i have by the way doc i can't accept that's too expensive number one we're gonna i'll talk to you about it later but i have watches i have now two watches in my life that beep <laughs> one of them that's four dollars another one that's not four dollars um, or five dollars um but it beeps not to tell me what time it is i've told you this right it beeps to, t- to ask me the question how are you doing right now with the Lord? What, what is your actions right now? What are you saying? What are you doing? How are you living? Well, this thing's going to beep in 15 minutes. It beeps every hour. And it is a reminder. In our home, we have one of my treasures. is a, a grandfather clock. And it, it realizes I'm a, a little more desperate than I think. It beeps every half hour. <laughs> and I need more. Next thing we'll buy, a watch it. beeps every 15 minutes. But, can, can I ever tell you a story about Kenny Hutchison? I won't forget where I am. Kenny Hutchison, my dearest friend, Kenny said to me one time when he saw my clock and he loved it, and he says, man, this clock, he says, please, this is Kenny. Says, not me saying it. Kenny's saying it. Uh, he says, oh, this, you couldn't have this, this clock in the, in, in the, in the ghetto. I said, why not? He says, it doesn't beep often enough. He says, you can't give a brother half an hour head start on you when you, when he takes your clock. Is that funny to you? It was I, I hit the floor. I laughed so hard I hit the floor. He says, you need one that beeps every 15 minutes. Uh, I'm sorry. If that was offensive, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, the Huts, somebody told Hutch, I told another thing about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he, they said he gasped when he heard that I said what I said. It was his story, not mine. And I guess I should be careful. Now, Paul is teaching us about living by faith. And he's teaching us that what we are about to embark is not simple. Because in chapter 7, as, he's already, as I've already warned you, he's already said, I, I, I try, but I'm, I don't do the very thing I need to do. And you're going to be the same. So don't let Satan beat you down. Hold yourself together as a believer. And I believe that this is going to be a, a tremendous place in Scripture that Paul is going to teach us. Now, I didn't pray yet, did I? Or did I? No, let's pray. Father, please, let me get out of this mess I got myself into and, and let us get to where we ought to be, and that is studying your word. We've come to church for that purpose, Father, to, to get to understand things about you and, and also to, to encourage those that we love, um, like Betty, um, how difficult it is now for her yet how much she rejoices in the fact that her daughter is with you and and completely well now thank you father for that that promise that you give us bless Betty bless her family bless um, Susie's children and grandchildren as um, as her daughter Kara said uh, the saddest part is that Her grandchildren will not see the little things that that Grandma did that were wonderful. How she paid attention to the little things and made them great. Now bless us, Father, as we study your word. As you teach us out of the book of Psalms, would you open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things from your law? And would you move me aside, Father, so that I do not uh, interfere with what you want to say to every single one of us here. Bless this time. Bless this service, we pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Now, in these, 13, in these verses from verse 3 to verse 13, I'm going to jump around a little bit. But in a moment, I'm going to go through a very, very systematic process through them. But first and foremost, let me say, Paul is saying in verse 10 that Jesus Christ does not have to die anymore. Reason being is he died, it says, to sin once and for all. That's why we in the church have a cross that is empty. In some churches, they have a cross with the the Savior still on it. There is no crucified Christ on the Christian church. It is in the Protestant church. Let me say it that way. Because we know and we follow a risen Savior. He is, he is alive. Paul says in verse 10 and 11, the death that Jesus Christ died, he died to sin. In other words, he died for your sin and mine. We know that he was sinless, right? He had no sin. So he died for our sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, it says in verse 10, he lives to God. Therefore, Paul writes in verse 11, So consider yourself to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You might notice the words consider yourself. In other words, think of yourself in this fashion, in this way. Your old life, your old self, it's dead and gone. Therefore, put sin away. It's done with. And Paul makes a mandate to all believers in verse 12. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lust. And how do you not obey its lust? Verse 13 is a perfect verse. Not by continuing to present the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but rather present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. It seems to me very clear from verses 12 and 13 that there is a choice that you and I get to make in this whole process. We get to present ourselves to God rather than to present ourselves to sin. And that is a a smart person that knows himself, that knows their limitations, to know what they can and cannot do, where they can and cannot go, who they can and cannot hang around with. It is a wise person who understands himself. In fact, there's a couple of younger people in here, and that's a, if you learn anything as a young person, that's one of the smartest things you can learn. I, I told my son and my daughter over and over and over again, Choose your friends carefully. In fact, I I wanted, well, that's enough. Just choose your friends carefully. We have a choice in this matter. Present yourselves to God. In our old former lives, our old men, before we came to Christ, we were all under sin. Our old nature ruled our thoughts, our habits, our desires, and so on. But that's no longer the case for us as believers We no longer have sin as a dominant fixture within our lives. Now, as we've already understood, we've already read out of chapter 7, Paul already explains that our old sin nature is still there. We will still wrestle with it. It still wants to rule over us. However, what Paul is teaching in this place in Scripture, it has no right within your life. It can only reign, get this now, it can only reign in your life if you allow it to, if you give it the permission. As verse 13 says, don't continue to present yourself to sin. Rather, present yourself to God. It's a choice. It's a choice that you and I must make. Now, let's get to the very essence of this part of this message. It is broken down into four very clear parts. And Paul breaks it up for us. When we trust Paul concerning the Word of God, here's what he teaches us. simple, but complexed. Difficult sometimes to live out. First principle. Verse 3, the first part of it. It is that all Christians, all of us, it says, has been baptized into Christ Jesus. All of us means that all Christians are permanently immersed with Christ so as to be made one with him. Let me explain that. Paul is not speaking just about baptism with water, which, by the way, this would be a a good verse to, to give reason why uh, a, a church would more, more than sprinkle, would, would immerse a person into water. But that's not what this is really talking about. What Paul is talking about here is the spiritual immersion of all believers into Christ through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that gives us an innate or an intimate, I should say, oneness with Jesus Christ. Now, I don't have this on the board, because I got this this morning. Just kind of got here early and wanted to look through a couple of things. And I want you to turn with me, if you don't mind, to John chapter 14. It's to the left. You're in Romans. You'll go past Acts, and then you'll come to John. John chapter 14, please. I want to show you what Paul is speaking about here with the spiritual immersion that we have as a believer in Jesus Christ. In John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Another there means another of the same kind. In other words, not someone completely different from me, but another helper just like me, meaning the Holy Spirit. He says, and he may be with you, note for how long? He'll be with you forever. Let me read that again. It's marvelous. Jesus says, I'm going to ask the Father. He's going to give you another helper, another, just like myself. In other words, God, the Holy Spirit. And that person will be with you forever. That is, here he explains who he is. He is the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him. There is reason to understand that you just, a person just doesn't get the Spirit of God haphazardly. The Spirit of God comes to us through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now watch what it says in verse 17. But you know him because he abides with you and will be, note, in you, immersed. You have a spiritual immersion. Immerse, immersin, immersion. Ah, uh, he. You're flooded with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Language. It says in the sixteenth chapter of John, the thirteenth verse. When He, the Spirit of Truth, comes, He'll guide you into all the truth. He'll not speak on his own initiative. Whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. You have within you been baptized into Jesus Christ, and that baptism is the Spirit of God that indwells you, it immerses you, it it floods you over with who he is. The second principle, back please to Romans chapter 6, the last part of verse 3 to verse 5. The second principle is that all Christians are identified with Jesus Christ through his death and in his resurrection, so that we may walk in this newness of life. Now this truth here in verses 3b through 5 is the most wondrous of all of Scripture that you can grasp, because to understand it fully is is beyond some things that we have to comprehend. It's, It's like we have to take this by faith. See, the basic truth is what I tried to explain a little while ago. Symbolically, you and I, by a divine miracle of God, were symbolically made to participate in our Savior's death, and also symbolically participate in his resurrection. Which enables you and me to miraculously walk in this newness of life. His death on the cross brings a new life to you and to me. Brings into our lives a new way of living. So Paul says in verse 5, we have been We've become united with Christ in the likeness of his death. In other words, our old life died. It died with him on the cross, and it rose again with him to a newness of life when he rose from the dead. the resurrection, the very celebration of Easter. It's a celebration of our new life in Christ. Brings us to the third principle. In Romans chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, the third principle, Paul says, is that our old sinful self has been crucified, killed, dead. We are now, it says, freed from sin. The phrase in verse 6, knowing this, Paul is saying, you should be aware of this. This isn't something that should cut you off guard. You have been taught this. That in Christ, you are not the same person you were before salvation. You have a new life. You have a new heart. You have a new spiritual strength, new hope, and countless other new things that had no part of your former life. As it says, again, this is another verse I got this morning, just thinking through all of this. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It's not on the board, unless they added it in between the services. It says this, if anyone is in Christ, this is a great verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, they are a, what? A new creature, a new creation. Old things have passed away, behold, new things have come. And I bet you there's a number of us that could give testimony right now of how our lives changed the moment we came to Christ. How things became new. Almost unexplainably new. I, 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 can, I could tell you a number of things. Some of it I, I prefer not to say because those things are dead and gone. But I have told you this before and I can tell you this again. When I first came to Christ... Important in my life were friends. I, I had what I considered some really wonderful friends. I was in Hawaii at the time. It's where I came to know the Lord. And every single one of my friends told me they didn't want me around anymore because I became a quote-unquote Christian. I thought they were kidding at first, but when, uh, when they ordered me out of the place, the restaurant, I couldn't believe it. I started walking away, and well, wouldn't you know, I started to cry. Uh, that's probably normal now. one then, I was kind of a shock. I started to weep, and what I was weeping about was I said to the Lord, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't think this was going to happen. I'm not happy about losing all my friends. Um, I was wondering about what did I, uh, what did I say yes to? And out of somewhere, somewhere, it wasn't audible, I'm sure of that, but something inside of me said these words almost to myself. And I said, John, I said to the Lord, Lord, if it is just you and me, the rest of my life, that'll be enough. Look, I had no idea what I was saying. I remember it. It's real. It happened. I didn't know scripture because I had never really studied the Bible. I didn't know a lot about the things of God. I just knew that if I were to die I was going to go to hell. And I had a call in my heart to come to Christ so strong I couldn't put it off. And when I came to Christ that was about all I knew my my sins were forgiven. I didn't know that my friends were going to go away. I didn't know those types of things would happen. And when I said those words, I I couldn't believe it, except that I meant it from the very depth of my soul. And they have been a staple in my life to this day. If it's just you and me, the rest of my life, Lord, that'll be enough. We need to count the costs. We need to understand what our Lord did for us when we came to trust and believe in him. When Jesus Christ came to redeem you, when he came here for you, your old self was crucified with him. That is, put to death. You are no longer a slave to sin. You have been freed. Brings us to the fourth principle. The fourth is in verses 8, 9, 10, and 11. And that is that Jesus Christ's death to sin brought not only death to sin, But it brought what everything was when we talked about Susie at the funeral Saturday. He brought, our Lord did, brought a death to death. You are no longer to die, not spiritually. We're all going to die physically. But spiritually, for those of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we'll never have to experience that spiritual death ever. We will have eternity with our Lord from From the moment you accepted Christ till forever, you are as just as much a part of heaven right now as you're ever going to be. It's just that we haven't passed through that door yet. I don't know if you remember everything I said, but i- I did say yesterday, and I meant it from the very depth of my soul. if I could trade places with Susie, I would if I could at this moment in time bring her back, and I would go to be with the Lord, I would. Now, I'd said that, I don't know how my family would think of that. But the truth of the matter is, I would have loved to have traded places with her. I long to be with my Lord. I long to see what it's like. You know, during the service, they sang the song, I Can Only Imagine. You know that song? It's one of my favorite songs. And it's so truthful to me. I can only imagine what it would be like when we go to be with the Lord. You see, our Lord not only put a death to your sin, but he put a death to death. It's just like it says in the book of Hebrews, Death, where is your sting? Death, where is your victory? It's no more. Those who have by faith died with Jesus Christ, Christ's death is no longer master over us. We have nothing to fear except for the Just the the whole idea of passing from here to the next place. And so, as verse 11 tells us, we're to consider ourselves as dead to sin, but alive to God. And what Paul is doing is simply repeating what he said when I read to you when we first began in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ, he says. But... But no longer is it myself who lives, he says. It's Christ who lives in me, he says, which brings us to the climax. In verse 10, death that our Lord died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. You see, the, the penalty, as we taught a couple weeks ago, the penalty of sin is death. Just like it says in this chapter, in chapter 6, verse 23. It says, the wages of sin is what? Death. That's right. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so in breaking the mastery of sin over mankind, Jesus also broke the mastery of death over us. We don't need to fear it any longer. And that's why... Saturday was so special, so special in the life of of Betty and, and Kara and, and Brad and the children, the grandchildren, because they know that that mommy, grandma is in the in the arms of our Lord, never to die again. <sighs> so when Paul said in verse 10 that when Christ died to sin, he died once for all. He meant that Jesus did what he did, never needed to be repeated again. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, that'll be up on the board, reassures us. Listen to this great, great verse. It says, So Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation. Listen to these words. Without reference to sin. <laughs> I love that verse. He is going to appear the second time without references to our sin, to those of us who eagerly await him. And I've, I'm in that eagerly awaiting him list. Listen, Jesus Christ died, we said a couple weeks ago, for two reasons. Number one, he died so that the penalty of sin could be paid for greatest verse you know the most popular verse is john 3:16 for for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life he died for the penalty of sin but he also died for the power of sin over us listen to paul's words in second corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 He said, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus. You see, we take upon us His righteousness. And so what Paul is trying to teach here, in this wonderful place in Scripture, is the difference between these two words that we've been wrestling with up to this point. The first word was justification. Justify is, it declares us righteous. You are justified before God the moment, the very moment you trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior. After that moment, you are then supposed to live a life that is sanctified, And sanctification is a position. it's, It's something that you must work on as you walk along this walk as a believer. You're justified, declared righteous before God, but you are also sanctified. That means you have to separate yourself from sin. As verse 11 says, we are dead to sin, but we are alive to God in Christ Jesus. And So God wants us to live... In the power of the Holy Spirit, we are to count on that. We are to consider that as true. Live by faith. The best way I know of how to do that is not going through any seminary class. I'll tell you how the best way I know to do it. It's as simple as what Joseph did with Potiphar's wife. If you're in an area of your life where where sin is just beating you up, get away from it. Get as far away from it as you possibly can. Move towards this place where you walk with God. Build into your life warning signs that, that kind of give you warning. How are you doing? What, what's happening in your life that, that, that is good and positive? And what are some of the things that might be happening in your life that needs to be fled from, moved away from? This is a just an uncanny place in the Word of God. I hope it makes some sense. I think it'll change our lives. I do. Let me close in prayer, and then we've got a wonderful announcement to make to you, something that uh, I've, uh, I'm beyond excited about. Um, but we want, of course, everybody to pray about it. And so uh, Dan's going to come up as soon as I pray and make an announcement, and then we'll have a word of prayer. Father... I want to thank you for, for what Paul taught us today. There's a great place in Scripture that we have been crucified with your most wonderful Son and we have been risen with Him, Father. Therefore, we're to walk in this newness of life knowing that our old self was crucified so that our body of sin might be done away with. No longer should we be slaves to sin, Father. We have been freed, and so, Father, let us by faith live this life. Let us live this victorious Christian life, and Father, we give you thanks and we praise you. And Father, on behalf of the staff of this church, I, uh, I'd like to just proclaim how much we love this 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 body of believers. Thank you so much for our church. Thank you so much for what's happening within all of our lives, I pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.